knows exactly who's paying attention this morning, and he knows exactly what you heard and what you didn't hear. He knows exactly what you know, what you comprehended, and what you did not comprehend. And so you can't, you can trick me all day long, but you can't trick God. And so if God says they, he has shown it to them, hey, they know. They know. They know. They know what it is that he wanted them to know. And see, truthful, truth will, me, truth will make us you're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. As we approach Christmas, it's important we recognize and celebrate the Christ in Christmas. Shopping, traveling, making family preparations can sometimes consume us to the point that those things can seem bigger than the Christ in the Christmas. And many of us, we know God, but we can get caught up in, with conversations and actions that tend to take our focus away from the Lord. But thank God for his word that gets us back on track. His word transforms us, and it renews our mind. Paul reminded of this. Paul reminded us of this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. So let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. And while you're turning there, think about this. Our responsibility as believers when it comes to the Word of God, it, it, we do what it says, our lives are going to be better. We have things to do, but the Word is also going to give us what to do. Romans 12 and 1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So I beseech you, Paul said, I'm summoning you, I call to your attention, you brethren, fellow believers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Two big personal commandments for me as a Christian based on Romans 12 and 1 is this. Present our bodies as a living sacrifice and to be holy. Again, present our bodies as a living sacrifice and to be holy. In addition, Paul encouraged us in Romans 12 and 2 in a manner that will empower and equip us so that we will not be so focused on fitting in and impressing the world, but we will mature in our focus in learning more about God and allow his word to transform and renew our mind. See, when the Word of God renews our mind, it will cause a renewal, a renovation, and a complete change for the better. And I'm sure that you remember from last week's message when uh, we warned others in part two of the series, The Power of Warnings, Caution, Transformation Taking Place, that he says this in Romans 12 and 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And do not be conformed or trying to fit into the world, 
but be transformed, changed into another form. How are you going to do that? By renewing or changing for the better your mind, the way you think and process. When we receive knowledge and understanding of God's written and revealed word, we expect many things to happen. But two things that are happening that we see in this text, transformation and renewal. Transformation is changing us into another form. A better version of us is happening when we hear and put his word into action. We're making modifications and alterations to get to the best version of us. Renewal is taking place. We're synonymous with rebirth, regeneration, and restoration. God's word is making a complete change for the better in our life. And the latter part of Romans 12 and 2 says this, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You may prove, be recognized as genuine and worthy, what is that good, useful, and beneficial, and acceptable and perfect, as perfect is mature and complete, the will, the purpose, and the plan, and the desires of God. See, Romans 12 and 2 lets me know I must prove other things when it comes to God. See, Jesus needs to be able to recognize the genuineness that he has going on inside of me. What is good? What is acceptable? And what is the perfect will of God? So I must remain teachable, teachable. I have to have I need the Lord to teach me how to know him and how to glorify him and how to magnify him in my life. Messes like today reminds me to ask God in humility, teach me how to glorify you as God. Teach means it can be defined as to show or explain how to do something. Teach is synonymous with words like instruction, discipline, training, and coaching. Good teaching is important because it brings growth and development. It brings new ideas and perspectives. It brings maturity and training. You have access to things, people, and opportunities by getting proper insight. It brings order and structure, which helps us to discipline ourselves. It allows others to mentor, coach, and provide examples to follow. And we need good teaching in our lives on spiritual as well as natural matters. We need the Lord to continue to send his shepherds, teachers, prophets, and, and preachers in our lives to teach us about Jesus. And we need spiritual leaders who will teach us valuable insight as it pertains to God and his word. Hezekiah recognized this and made note of it in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 22. So let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 22. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. I want you to notice that the Levites taught the good. What, how do you define good? Valuable, appropriate, and rich knowledge, insight, and understanding of the Lord. And as teachers and preachers in God's house, we must pray, study, and prepare so that we can know 
know how to teach the good knowledge of the Lord. And I believe we must strive to see how valuable and how rich it is to have knowledge of who God is and be committed to praise and magnify him and who he is. I need to value God's word and value my opportunities to hear his word. And the more I gain knowledge and understanding about God, his power, his strength, his ability, his blessings and benefits, his sacrifice and the gifts to me, I need to be ready to give him glory, honor, and praise. And I must value his word. And see, it's only valuable when you think it's valuable. Because, see, if you don't think it's valuable, it won't mean much to you. I could be talking to you right now, and then the word of God will just come into your, it, you'll hear it, but it won't have any meaning to you. Why? Because it won't be valuable to you. And you know what's valuable to you? I don't know if you ever had a phone call, and the phone call, it, it meant something to you because what? It was valuable to you. But you know what? Then you got that spam call that come up on your phone. You're like, oh, this call ain't valuable to you. You ain't know what they said. All you know was click. You cl went to the you just kicked off a cost. Why? It wasn't valuable to you. So when it's valuable to you, you're going to treat it like it's valuable. You're going to honor what is being said and what is being taught. Now, when I fail to glorify God for who he is, I begin to allow my flesh to be in charge of my life rather than his spirit. I begin to allow that opportunity for the enemy to influence me more than the Holy Spirit. Which brings me to our main text, which is Romans 1 and 21, which reads as follows. Because although, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their faults, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In fact, let's read that entire text, Romans 1, 18 through 21. Romans 1. 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his internal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their fearless hearts were darkened. Again, that's Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 21. Now, Paul, in this letter to the church in Rome, wanted to teach the believers at the church about the wrath of God and how God's wrath is revealed from heaven. Now, when we read these particular scriptures, I want you to understand that the scriptures are there for our learning. So when we see things in scripture, it's there to help us, like we talked about in the previous series about the warnings of God. The warnings are there to help us to avoid certain things. Like, you know, I remember one time when I was uh, growing up in school, you know, sometimes you saw other people get in trouble. You say, well, I better not do that because I don't want to get in trouble like they did, you know? And so sometimes you're going to see certain things you're going to read about and watch. You'll say, okay, I don't want to follow that pattern because that pattern had me standing in the corner, amen, with my head in the corner looking all sad. 
I don't want that to happen. So I want to follow what the scriptures is telling us. And so we can avoid some of the things that it, that, that could be, bring, bring a pitfall, I, I would say. Now, let's find out who is Paul talking to here. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 7. Ro- Romans 1 and verse 7. To all who in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So to all who are in Rome, beloved, esteemed, favored, and dear to God, called to be saints, holy, consecrated, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul in his letter to the saints of Rome could be viewed as teaching to make them aware that God's wrath is real. Remember that teaching is instruction, informative, training, and coaching. He's saying, listen, you got to watch out for the wrath of God. You're believers, but you still got to watch out for the wrath of God. See, teaching brings about discipline, which includes order and structure in and out of control situation. See, God's anger goes on display with consequence when it comes to certain things. Specifically in verse 18. Now, look, go back in Romans 1 and 18. I'll read it to you, and I want to show you something about these, these three entities that it talks about. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So we see it's against all ungodliness unrighteousness of men and those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. There appears to be some things that are out of order, lacking structure, and causing God not to be glorified within the church. So Paul is addressing some of the issues that were going on in the people's life. And we can't be led by God and led by the flesh all at the same time because they're going to be going in the opposite direction. And the church in Rome was just like the church in Berlin is being taught in what it means to know God and to glorify him as God. We want to be humble people individually as well as corporally asking God, is there anything in me not bringing you glory to you directly or indirectly? And please teach me in your word that I may change for the better. Remember, I talked about a transform or the renewing of your mind. So you may know whether it's that good and a perfect will of God. Now, we go back over to Romans chapter 1, verse 8, which says this, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So we see here the church in Rome was known to have faith in God. See, they had faith in God. They had faith that was spoken of throughout the whole world. Yet they struggled in their flesh. And ungodliness was beginning to creep into the church. And I'll be honest with you, even today, I know some spiritual people that still struggle with their flesh. Somebody should have said amen right there, but that's okay though. The ungodliness was coming in because people who knew the truth began to hinder as well as create difficulties and obstacles when it comes to people getting the truth. And I, I don't know about you, I don't want to be known as an individual that hinders people from the truth of God's word. So now, let's start at Romans 1 and 18. And again, let me read it to you and go talking about it a little bit further. 
For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Notice this, for the wrath, the anger, wrath is the anger exhibited, anger in punishment, anger exhibited in punishment of God is revealed, uncovered, made known, and manifested from heaven. In this part of the letter to the church at Rome, Paul tells the church about the wrath of God. And the wrath of God is revealed, it's uncovered, it's made known, and manifested from heaven. Let me say this to you. I don't, I don't need to know that God got anger. <laughs> he ain't got to reveal none of that to me. Are y'all following me here? I think I know about it. That's good enough. You know, you know, when your mama had that switch, you know, hey, you knew what you had. You knew we, if you did it, you know it was happening, right? Listen, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have to find out that it, that it felt a certain way, you know. I knew the belt worked. I knew the switch worked. You follow him? Uh, listen, I know God's anger is, and God's wrath is real. I don't have to experience it to know it's real. So let me learn what I need to do to avoid that, Okay. Let me learn what I need to do to avoid it. Because the Bible says this, for the wrath of God is revealed. It's uncovered. It's made known and manifested. I don't want to, I don't want to, no, it's there. I just don't want to uncover it, okay? Amen. So, it goes on to say here in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, notice this, three sets of entities here, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, and those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, ungodliness, wickedness, twisted thinking, lacking reference for God. Those unrighteous people, morally corrupt, operating in iniquities, known sins, and suppressing and hindering the truth in unrighteousness, they can expect trouble. We're at, we are asking for troubles. Now, if you find yourself in this category, I, I say this to you, repent. Change your thinking. Ask God to teach you. Give, ask for the Holy Spirit to give you grace and the power to change for the better. And you need the word to change you for the better. When you find yourself doing wrong, ask God to help you to change. Listen, I don't think nobody can change on their own by themselves. I think everybody needs the Holy Spirit to help them to change for the better. I think, I think this is my personal opinion. I think you need the Holy Spirit to change because I think human flesh is, is fragile. I think, I think human flesh, can, it can trick you one minute. Hey, I'm going to do right. I'm going to do right. And boom, it's, it'll just switch on you, boy. It'll switch on you just like that, boy. Listen, I, you ever say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to do right. 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 Yeah, you, in your mind, I'm going to do right. But, you know, but, boy, as soon as you got in that, right, that environment, mm, mm, mm. Woo! It, was, it wasn't pretty, boy. So, so, you know, you need the Holy Spirit to help you to change. At least I need the Holy Spirit in order for me to change. I need his word to help me to change, to keep that change going. Because you can change, but if you don't, the word's not in your life. See, that word will cause you to change and not go back, not to go back to what you used to do. I appreciate the word being in my life because the word of God is more powerful than sin. The word of God is more powerful than our desire. The word of God is the most powerful thing that we have on the earth. 
But you got to submit to that word, though. You got to submit to the word, though. Now, so I, I say, Lord, give me the power. Give me the ability to change. Give me the ability to change. Romans 12 and 1 again, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, these present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Lord, teach me how to change. Bring, bring glory to yourself by changing me from the inside out. And the Lord will, will help you. He'll help you from the inside out. He'll lead and guide you into all truth. He's, he's a master at that, though. I'm telling you, he is good at doing that. And, there, and, and go, so he goes on in Romans 1 and 19 because there's some deep-rooted things happening. Paul was addressing them because he knew they had been taught the truth in God's Word. They were being fed knowledge and understanding, but they had made the decision not to allow God's Word to change some areas of their life. They had some things operating with them that they call, could cause harm and ultimately hinder God's glory from being manifested to others. In other words, their actions and our actions can become stumbling blocks to others if we're not careful. See, this is a mature teaching that may not sound as good to our flesh, but it's good for our spirit. Notice what it says in Romans 1 and 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. I thought this was interesting. God, God has shown it to them. Now, I, I would say the preacher showed it to them. I would say that the teacher showed it to them. But the Bible says God has shown it to them or has made it known what was hidden. He has also made it known by teaching it to them. So either directly or indirectly, God says, I made it known to them. And so if God makes it known to you, he knows if you know it or not. See, you can tell me you know something or you can tell me you don't know something. I have to believe you. But God knows exactly what you know and what you don't know. God knows exactly who's paying attention this morning, and he knows exactly what you heard and what you didn't hear. He knows exactly what you know, what you comprehended, and what you did not comprehend. And so you can't, you can trick me all day long, but you can't trick God. And so if God says they, he has shown it to them, hey, they know it. They know it. They know it. They know what it is that he wanted them to know. And see, truthful, truth will, excuse me, truth will make us free. Whew, truth will make us free. Y'all know John 8, 31 and 32? Then Jesus said to those Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. See, truth was taught to the saints in Rome, and truth is being taught to us here in Villarica. Evidently, there was probably some of them that decide, despite what I've learned, I will do things my way. You know, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. And as God is using men and women to teach us, he expects us to follow his word. And the word of God remo removes our excuses. Ooh, Lord knows, I know I've got some excuses I tried to bring before God. It's hard to bring excuses for somebody who went and died on a cross, y'all. Y'all know that, right? It's hard to bring excuses to somebody who got beat with a cat in nine tails, don't you know? It's hard to bring excuses for somebody who sacrificed their entire life for people like us who were dead in trespasses and sin. Oh, but they're excuses. 
But God's word will cancel our excuses and they'll make them null and void. We see this in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. They are distinct, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Ooh, my God. Without excuse. What God ain't playing is it. First, he's teaching them. And now he says, now you have no excuse. See, now, you know when God teaches you, you're going to know the lesson. You're going to know the lesson. Because God knows how to break it down to where, so you, it be so simple to you. That, now, he won't make you learn it, but he will break it down so you can learn it. And so you, you have the opportunity to learn it. And so now you have no excuse. Paul reminded them they are without excuse. They cannot defend their actions. And as saints and believers, we have to be careful when making excuses. Excuses are designed to justify and defend an action or a comment. And sometimes we spend more time thinking of reason and excuses for not doing certain things that we should, that we could have, we could, might complete the task and request and move on to the next thing. Sometimes we need to repent and say, hey, you know what? I, just did, I messed up. I did it wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. And, and let me say this to you. There's nothing wrong in admitting you were wrong. Sometimes we just got too much pride. We don't want to say, hey, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I got two people that agree with that. Yeah, pray for the rest of y'all. We serve a God who has so many invisible attributes that are distinct, clearly seen with our eyes and understood by things that he has made, continues to make for us, that manifests his glory, his strength, his power, his majesty, his wisdom, his wealth, and his grace. Romans 1 and 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as it's eternal power and Godhead, so that they, again, are without excuse. We see his invisible attributes in how he created the human body. I mean, when God created the human body, that thing is amazing to me. Human body is amazing. The wind and the rain, that's another amazing thing he does. The sun and the moon. You know, when God made, he made one sun, that sun is still burning right now. I mean, that's the sun right there. I mean, I, 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 you, ever, you, ever, you ever tried to burn something for a long period of time? You know how hard that is? I mean, he, he started the beginning. Sun, boom, there it is. He went back and had to change nothing. That sun is still burning the same way right now. I mean, that's powerful to me. Woo! You know, if God can create a sun like that, you know he can pay your light bill, right? You know, you know, how, you know how he created a human body? You know how fascinating your body is right now? I mean, you got so much stuff going in your body right now. If you start digging into it, you'd be a mess your whole self up. But, you know, it functions so beautifully. So beautifully. God has did that. He does that. He created the sun and the moon, the oceans, the air that we breathe. Thank God for air that we breathe. Woo! Glory be to God. The peace that comes when we keep our minds on him, the joy that comes from him and gives us strength, See, invisible attributes as well as visible attributes that bring order, strength, structure, power, and wonder. They have been taught the rich word of God. And see, notice as we go through, 
think about what God is telling us and what he's teaching you and what he's telling you and what he's telling me throughout this particular message. What you see, you see yourself. I say, God, you know what? If he can do that, he can do this for me as well. So the more we look at what Paul is saying here, again, Paul reminding them they knew God. They knew God. And Romans 1.21, because they knew God. They, they had learned about good God. They understood about God. They perceived God. They did, they, excuse me, they did not, but they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in the false, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Remember, when we go through this, learn from it. Learn from it. Remember, we're talking about we're learning how to glorify God. Learn from it. Learn from it. So, first part, notice this. They knew God. They had learned about God. They understood. They perceived God. When Paul wrote this, he understood they knew God. They had learned about him. They perceived. Remember, we talked about earlier, and I think it's Romans 1 and 8, they had faith that the whole world admired. They were individuals who were what we consider faith walkers. They had faith, but yet they did not glorify him as God. Woo! They did not glorify him. They didn't praise him. They didn't celebrate him, honor him, or respect him as God. They knew to, but they chose not to. Three mindsets and consequences of saints in, in, in the Roman church in Rome, according to Romans 1 and 21. One, they were not thankful. They weren't grateful. They had people who were unappreciative of what God was doing in their lives. Mm. Don't want to be unappreciative of what God is doing in my life. We say, Pastor Dobbs, he's not doing anything in my life. I heard people say that, and I've had that conversation with people in the past, but I beg to differ. He loads us daily with benefits. So either he lying or you lying. I put my money on God. God, God will be true every day. He loads you daily with benefits. You just didn't recognize he loading it to you. They became, another one is they became futile or empty in their thoughts, their inward reason, their design, their purpose. They were, become, they were becoming believers who knew God and knew truth, but their thinking, talking, and actions were becoming empty and not having purpose. They were, they were becoming nonproductive, not being fruitful and effective. Futile is synonymous with words like being unsuccessful, useless, and doing things in vain. They hear God's written and revealed word, but no change takes place. They're not becoming better. They're still doing the same thing that they did before. In some cases, they picked up a few ungodly habits and traits along the way, and none of them pleased God. They had futile thoughts. So they were not thankful. They had futile thoughts. And the third one here is their foolish, excuse me, their foolish hearts were darkened. Foolish hearts. Interesting word, foolish heart there unintelligent heart, without understanding, a stupid heart. Seats, the heart is the seats of the faults, the passions, the desires, the appetites, the affections were darkened. That means at one point they were light, but now they started getting dark. 
And one thing I, I notice about this and what I kind of see in this is that it wasn't something that went from like you turn the light off and get dark like that. It was like a gradual thing. It just worked its way into darkness. And sometimes you see people that's worked their way into darkness. They worked their way into unbelief. They worked their way into darkness, not believing what God says. Yeah, they were givers, and now they stopped giving. Yeah, they were prayers, but now they're only praying just one or two times a week now. Yeah, they were coming to church, but now they come every now and then. Yeah, you see how they just, it's getting darker. It's just getting darker. It's getting darker. Darker is deprived of light. While we may think that I can do what I want to do, when I want, how I want, we see how our actions and our attitude are impacting our heart. Paul's letting the saints know that the state of their heart is changing. Their desires, passions, appetites, and such are changing, not for the good, but it's becoming dark and deprived of light. Foolishness in our heart can cause us to become dull of the light that comes through God's word. We can't afford to be foolish believers who are not taught the promises that come in God's word. We also need to know the character and the nature of the God that we serve. Jesus' way of thinking, talking, and actions. We need to know God's way of doing this. John 14 and 6 says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His word is a light into our path and a light into our soul. Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my light, excuse me, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Foolishness in our heart will cause us to think that we are wise when we're actually, we lack maturity and godly judgment and matters that pertain to life. We can be educated but become foolish. We can be financially stable but become foolish. We can have power and influence on our jobs and our family and in our business and on the street but steadily become foolish. Notice what Romans 1, 22 Paul said this, professing to be wise, they became fools. Those professing to be wise, professing to be skilled and expert, learned, they became fools, lacking godly sense or judgment. Well, you know Psalms 14 and 1 says this, the fool is said in his heart, there is no God. There were some in the church professing to be wise, skilled, and mature in the things of God and other such matters, but they were not experts at all. They lacked godly judgment in matters, and they became manifested more and more in their thinking and actions. And when we lack godly judgment, it shifts our mindset. Lack of godly judgment will shift our priorities. We begin to put the creation over the creator. And let's look further at this particular writing that Paul has written to this particular church, to some of the saints. And those 1 and 23, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. And change, I mean, it changed one thing for another, the glory of the incorruptible. Incorruptible is not liable to corruption or decay. 
God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. See, they began to stop reverencing God as God. Instead, they had idols and images began to be on display. In other words, they had gods that they made with their hands. And you know what happens when, when you make a god with your hand? It's only temporary. It's not going to last. You remember when Paul went to, I think it's Athens, and they had this idol called the unknown God. They had so many different ones, so many different, different gods. And they had one called the unknown God because they wanted to make sure that they, they covered every God out there. And Paul used the unknown God to introduce Jesus to people because Paul knew, he said, hey, you can't make God out of man-made stuff. You can't make God with your, with your natural hands. You can't make God. Listen, if you can make God, then he, he ceased to be God. You got to know who God is, y'all. You got to know who God is. Listen, if you can get God in your mind, then he's not the God you think he is. God is bigger than your mind. He's bigger than your thinking. He's bigger than your reasoning. He's bigger than what you think you got to do. God is God, y'all. He, beside him, there is no other. I mean, God is God. God does not need anybody to do what he going to say he going to do. Ooh, thank the Lord to get out of that because that's, that's, that's who. We have to be careful about idols and images. You, can't have, you should not have idols and images. You should not have idols and images. Mm -mm. Nope. No idols, no images. And out of something that comes in our lives that we worship, whether directly or indirectly, and, and out of something or someone that we greatly admire and respect, in other words, what they say or do matters. What we, when we yield our will to please them above anything else. You know, some people, whatever so-and-so say on social media, boom, that's what it is. That's it. Well, we wearing this, we wearing this. We doing this, we doing this. Because that's who they idol. That's their idol. OCC, we, we don't want any idols or image to creep up in our lives what cause us to worship them. We are to worship the one true God. We find this in Exodus 23, verse Exodus 20. Three through five. You should have no other gods before me. You should not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You should not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. I'll tell you something, boy, you can mess your whole family up, man, by by huh, doing the wrong things. Matthew 6, reminds us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. That being said, I cannot have my wife before God. I can't have my children before God. I can't have my business before God. I can't have my church before God. I can't have none of y'all before God. My relationships, my friendships cannot be more than my relationship with Jesus. 
And sometimes I, I make it specific. I say, Jesus is the one that I worship. Because these days you got to let folks know you were who you worship, praise God. You got to let them know. Because one person's God man says one thing, another person God says something else. So I'll let people know it's Jesus who we worship. Jesus who we worship. My worship is a gift to God, as we learned this past Wednesday night. I worship God in many ways, but my worship is my expression inwardly and outwardly of a yielded and surrendered life. I worship God in my prayer time. I worship God in my songs to him. I worship him in my giving, giving him my best because he's given me and continues to give me his best. I worship him in service to him in, in, in his house and beyond his house. I can tell when I lose sight of the object of my worship because things, people, and situations become more important to me than God. And I've been guilty of that myself. I've allowed the situation. I've allowed the circumstance. Sometimes I, I remember a time I used to allow what I, what I was going to get the children for Christmas to be more important than some things that were going on. We have to make sure Jesus is first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things should be added to you. It is those things that, excuse me, it is those things that get, huh, the money, the time, the energy, and everything else. Where is God in all of that? As I mentioned before, Jesus is the reason for the, for the season. Let me say this to you. Jesus is the reason for every season. Every season. Every season. Uh, was it spring, summer, fall, winter? He the reason for all of it. Thank God he is. As we prepare worldwide celebration for the birth of Christ, Recall how the wise men came to worship him despite being harassed by Herod. We can renew our steadfast worship to God, glorify him as the God that we know. I want to give you some takeaways from today's message that Paul expressed to the church in Rome that I believe that will help us all in our walk with Christ. One, I must be and remain teachable ready to receive instruction, knowledge, and discipline. I believe as long as you walk with Christ, you, you can be taught. As long as you walk with Christ, you, gonna, you can be taught. I think you're in a sad place when you can't be taught. I think you'll miss the boat somewhere along the way. But everybody can be taught something when it comes to Christ. And then... I can always improve my walk with Christ, too, as well. I must know and understand God. I, there's so much to know about God, you'll spend the rest of your life getting to know God and still won't scratch the surface because it's, he, he is just, whew, he's just so much. But that's not a negative thing. That's a good thing. I cannot be known as a hindrance to a hindrance or a person that suppresses the truth of God's word. I should be not be known as a person who suppresses the truth of God's word. I must be mindful of the invisible attributes of God and glorify him as God. Hallelujah. I must be thankful and appreciative. 
And I can't change the glory of the incorruptible God into images made like corruptible man. In other words, I can't, I can't, I can't take an image and make it a God. That's insulting to God. Can't make an image and make it a God. We can't do that. So takeaways, I must be and I must be and remain teachable. I must know and understand God. I must be known. I, I cannot be a hindrance. I must be mindful of the invisible attributes of God. I must be thankful and appreciative. And I can't change the glory of the incorruptible God into images made like corruptible man. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer request and testimonies to our website at OCCVR.org. That's OCCVR.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at OCCVR.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at OCCVR.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.